Well, I hope you're ready for a fresh revelation uh, from the Word of God. We're in Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 6. This morning, I would ask you to turn there with me. If you're following along in that black uh, Revelation journal, it's page uh, 24, and uh, you can join us there. The whole book of Revelation has to be understood as a revelation. This is, this is a unique book in that respect. It's the only book in the New Testament that calls itself a revelation. It doesn't just contain truth, it does contain truth, but the truth contained in this book is only understood properly as a revelation. And chapter one is the revelation of Christ. Chapters two and three, the revelation of the church. Chapters four and five, it's the revelation of the throne room, the throne room of God. Now we come to chapter six, and something distinct shifts in Revelation chapter six. For the first time, we are introduced to evil. Evil is, is what's revealed in, actually, it begins in chapter six, and it runs through chapter 19. So the, the heart of the book of Revelation is the revealing, first of Christ, second the church, third the throne room, but then this big centerpiece in the entire book from chapter six through 19 is the revelation of evil and the evil structures and systems that are at work around us. And it's revealed as a scroll that's sealed seven times, seven individual stamps or seals within the scroll. It's written in the front and the back, but the, the, this scroll contains the final events of history which are, and we're going to begin seeing it this morning, full of evil. Now, if you'll look with me, Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Now, I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, Come! Now, in order to understand what's about to happen we have to go back to chapter five. In chapter five, we see this throne room. We see the Father God seated on the throne, and he's holding this scroll that we're about to see open. But then the question's asked, who is worthy to take this scroll and open the seals? And in, in chapter five, verse four, there's a drama because John starts weeping because no one was found worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. No one in heaven, no one on earth, and no one under the earth. Now no one in heaven, meaning none of the great patriarchs, Abraham, Moses, they were not qualified, Elijah, the prophets, that had already died, none of them were worthy. The angels weren't worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. No one on earth, no Charlemagne, uh, no Caesar, uh, no president, uh, no Bill Gates, uh, whoever you wanna name, 
that has money or power and influence, no one on earth was found worthy, and no one under the earth, which refers to the bad guys, the demons. And there's a bunch of them. Not even Satan could take the scroll from the hand of the Father and open the seals. Now, what we're going to see is every one of these seven seals that are open, and we're going to see six of them opened in this one chapter. Every, every seal that's opened reveals a moment that is yet to come in history where evil will run rampant. Every one of these seals. But it's important to see. So John weeps. Chapter 5, verse 4, he's weeping loudly, sobbing, because no one in heaven, on earth, under the earth, was found worthy to take this scroll, again, which, which has the final events in history written on it. Nobody was worthy to open the scroll. Then chapter 5, verse 5, John hears this voice from an angel saying, Behold, the Lamb who was slain, this Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion, he's the Lamb. He, he is worthy. And then verse 6, Jesus, this lamb, comes and takes the scroll from the hand of the Father. And now he has this scroll in his hand. And that's where we pick up the action in chapter 6, verse 1. And every one of these seals that are open reveal a, a tormenting, releasing of evil like the world has never seen. The first seal that is open opens the door for a white horse. We're going to look at this, but don't be deceived because it's a white horse to think it's a good horse. There's what's called white magic, which is just as evil as black magic. Don't think because you put a name of white on it that it's therefore good. This is, this is a demonic horse. And it says that he's given power in conquering and to conquer. What this refers to is what we would call anarchy. It's domestic violence. Domestic violence on every level. It's the, it's the kind of violence that overtakes homes. It's the white horse of domestic evil. When the nation's government is not doing its proper work of controlling the violence within the nation. That's the first horse. The second seal that's open releases a second horse. This is verse four. And this one's a red horse. And this one moves from domestic evil to international evil. The second horse, it says, was given power um, to take peace from the earth so that people would slay one another and he was given a great sword. So this is, there will come wars of ugly proportion that are going to come upon the world. Today, God is, is holding off the wars. He's enabling peace to ensue, and there's a reason. But there will come a time when God's gonna remove the restraining of international conflict and the nations will have at it. 
And that's what this second horse and the second seal represents. We come to the third horse, verse five, and it's a black horse. This is what we would call ecological evil, or when nature is out of balance. It says uh, that the rider has a pair of scales. I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius. Now, a quart of wheat is not a lot. You can make like a dumpling or a roll. You know, it's hardly even a loaf of bread. And a denarius is a day's wage. So what this is is such economic issues that you, you, you work all day just to buy enough to eat that night. And that's, that's the, the economy is so out of whack at this moment um, with this third seal. The fourth is page 26 in your journal. It's verse eight. It's a pale horse. This is biological evil. This is when technology and the economy get completely out of balance. The pale horse, it says its rider's name was Death, and Hades follows him. He's given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine, with, with basically a pandemic. Now today, there are, uh, we're, we're still at, 7.9 billion people. We're knocking on the door of, of 8 billion people. Well, 25%, one-fourth, means that 2 billion people will die of this pandemic. I mean, this is totally beyond, beyond anything we've seen with COVID. In fact, you all know, uh, CDC said, really, the COVID was not a pandemic. Um, you know, we're not there yet. But this is a, a pandemic of horrible proportion, where one out of four people on earth will die. Two billion people. With all the horrible deaths of COVID, and we mourn every one, we're not even at 0.001% of the global population. So we're, we're not anywhere near what this is talking about. The fifth seal, verse nine, is the voice of the martyrs. This is powerful. Uh, it's a picture of the souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and the witness that they gave to Jesus. And the, there, and it says, I, I love this, they're crying out with a loud voice. They're not whimpering, they're not sniffling, they're not feeling sorry for themselves. They're crying out with a loud voice and listen to the first words they say. Oh, sovereign Lord. They never lost sight of the sovereignty of God. Uh, here, th these are those that, that have been killed because of their Christianity, and they're crying out, Oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true. How long will you wait before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Okay, how is the world going to become so evil that the enemies of the society are the Christians? We all know that Christians always are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Christians raise the, the, the water level, so to speak, 
of decency, of righteousness, of kindness, of compassion on earth. How will we get to the place where even our society will call us the enemies of culture? Are you ready? I was hoping someone would ask. I discovered yesterday a, an illustration of what you and I are living through here in our country. When, the, when Lenin took over Russia, he eliminated all national newspapers and he instituted one newspaper that's still running today. It's the national news of, of Russia and it's called Pravda. Some of you know this, Pravda. Pravda is the Russian word for truth. And so what, what Lenin realized he had to do was he had to determine to filter the news so that what he said was truth was truth. It didn't make it true, but it's the, tru it's the perception of reality that he wanted his nation to have. And, and because in order to control the people, he had to control their view of reality. And so what Pravda truth says is truth was truth as perceived by, by the citizens in Russia. Brothers and sisters, we are living through the same thing. Our news feeds are not telling truth any longer. So many of them are filtering truth and it becomes what is expedient according to their humanistic values. And so while they don't, we, we have many news feeds, there are few that accurately give us a picture of reality. And, and our own nation, in the name of perpetuating an ideology, is, being, is living through a modern-day deception. And so truth is no longer objective reality. Truth is what benefits the ideology. That's what truth is. And that being the case, you and I who see accurately reality, who have a higher standard of, of what is truth in God's absolute truth, we will always march to the beat of a different drum. And the more our culture is deceived to follow a, a new ideology, the more Christians who have an accurate view of reality are going to be the enemies of society. That is what is happening all over the world. And our nation is not far behind. It's what we're living in. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray for our journalists. We need to pray for them. We don't want to throw them under the bus. I, I, I pray that some of our young champions will study to be journalists. Learn to be good journalists. Enter that profession as a calling to keep truth, truth. I have many dear friends who are journalists and they are so disgusted with, with, with what's going on in our day. I, I'm a fast reader. I'm a voracious reader. 
It takes me often three hours to get to the bottom of a story because every news feed is all opinion and you don't get to the heart of the story. Well, what would actually happen? And sometimes even after three hours, I still don't know what happened because there's so much fluff. There's so much interpretation of it. Just give me the straight news. Just tell me what happened. Let me decide for myself if it was right or wrong. When an ideology is allowed to determine truth, the people are under deception. They're living in an alternate universe, and that is control. This is why, for us in this day, we want to keep our eyes focused on the one who is on the throne and to the Lamb. Some of us today are like John in Revelation 5, verse 4. Some of us are weeping because we don't think anybody's worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. Some of us in this room are so transfixed on our news feed and the interpretation of the news by others that we've lost sight of the fact that there is a throne over the universe and there's one person sitting on it. And his son is the one who can take the scroll and open the seals and nothing is outside of his control. Not ultimately, not ultimately. We need the book of Revelation. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, you and I are the only people on earth who can maintain an accurate view of reality because truth is not determined by circumstance or by our ideology. Truth is determined in reference to God. God is truth, everybody else is a liar, and we trust him. And as we maintain our view of him and his son, and understand that nothing on the scroll, none of the cataclysmic events that will yet happen on earth are outside of his sovereign control. This is the most encouraging, hope-filled, strengthening scripture for us in this season. Now don't stay stuck Weeping. Understand that Jesus has come out. And he has the scroll. He has it in his hands this morning. And he will open the scrolls and we have nothing to, to fear. He will bust open every seal, all the, 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 the cataclysmic events that are yet going to happen on earth. And I believe during some of our lifetimes, we will see some of these things unfold. He has the scroll, and he alone is worthy to open every seal on that scroll. Now, as Christians, you and I are the only people in our nation who can have an accurate view of evil without being intimidated by it. If you're intimidated by evil, you're focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. There are some of us in this room who 
can't face evil because it freaks you out. You're just in denial. That's on one side. On the other side, some of you are so obsessed with evil that you, you, you don't have an accurate view of reality either because you've lost sight of the Lord. As Christians, we don't deny evil, neither are we obsessed or intimidated by it. The book of Revelation does not minimize evil. It puts it in its place. It puts it in its place. Hallelujah. Then we come to the sixth seal, verse 12. It says, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. And this is all natural disasters, what we would call unimaginable natural disasters. The San Andreas Fault is gonna bust wide open. Uh, there's many that think that many of the cities of the world will be demolished in a, in a day or a week or, or during a season of time. There'll be tsunamis that will overtake all the coastal cities. This is what it's talking about here in this sixth seal. But chapter six ends with three-word question. Who can stand? Who can stand? And there are two answers. Who can stand? Number one, the angels can stand. It says in chapter seven, verse one, then I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Um, yeah, there they are standing, standing on the four corners of the earth. And we're gonna see them standing again in chapter seven. But once we see that the angels are standing, who can stand? Angels can stand, they're not, they're not intimidated. We see another group who can stand. The redeemed of God can stand. That's you and me. Now these are, we're, we see these in two pictures. The first picture is verses five through eight. It's the 144,000. Now uh, we know 144 is 12 times 12. And the, the specifically the 12 mentioned here are the 12 tribes of Israel. And 12 times 12, in other words, a complete number of them times 1,000, a large number of them. So what this first picture seems to be reflecting is that in the last days, there will be a large number of Jews who are ethnic Jews who will discover that Christ is their Messiah and will put their faith in him as ethnic Jews, a mass conversion among the Jewish people putting their faith in Christ as Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great number that no one could number from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, no less. Hallelujah. Don't forget your palm branch. I'll bring a few extras in case you forget. Hallelujah. So who, who are these people? Well, the 144,000 are a, a whole bunch of Jews that are now messianic in faith. This, this group that no one can number, this is a separate group. Yeah. 
This is massive, like 144,000, that's a lot. But this, this group is so big, it says no one can number. Now, I don't know who, who among us would number 144,000. Uh, uh, 1,095? Uh, that would take a rare person to be able to count 144,000, but somebody can do it. But this one, nobody could, could possibly count this number. And what does it say? It doesn't say they're from the Jews. This is from every nation. So this group, the second group in Revelation 7, refers to the Gentiles, the Chinese, the Lithuanians, uh, the Swahili speakers, um, the good old southern boys, uh, all of us that are the redeemed are going to be there. And, and, and look at what we're saying. We're crying in a loud voice with our palm branches. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a moment. We're, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's say it together. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's say it again. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, then it says, and all the angels were standing. There they are again, standing. Who can stand? The saints can and the angels can. It, but it says all the angels. Now rarely do we see them all. I'm not sure you're going to find another place in Scripture where it says all the angels. But at this time, all the angels are going to be standing and along with the elders and the four living creatures saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. And then we hear the martyrs again. Here they come again. You, you, you can't take the martyrs out of the book of Revelation. You can't take the persecuted church and end up with the church. These guys are, are the Navy SEALs. There's a special honor that nobody else gets except those who were killed for their faith. Hallelujah. This is an elite group. They're the ones coming out of the great tribulation. These are the guys that stood before the tribulation. They stood during the tribulation, and they stand after the tribulation. Yes. They lost their lives, but they never, they never lost their faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen to what, they get robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And here's what they're saying. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night, right at his, right at his footstool. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Hallelujah. Lord, I want you to shelter me with your presence. Hallelujah. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne 
will be their shepherd. Hallelujah. I won't be your shepherd anymore. You can trade me in for the, the, the Lord himself. Hallelujah. He'll be the shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. This is Psalm 23. The shepherd will guide and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, there's no hint of the denial or minimizing of evil. It goes all the way through. Are they redeemed? Yes. Will they be victorious? Yes. Will they die? Yes. All these have died because of their faith. Was there evil? Yes. Were they victims of evil? Yes. And their God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got goosebumps. I don't know about you. But this is my God. Hallelujah. This is our shepherd. shepherd. Brothers and sisters, just look up at me. You, we do not need to deny evil. We are the only people on earth who can accurately face evil and not be intimidated by it, not take our cues by it. We don't ever have to fear evil. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You're with me. Christians are the only people on earth who can maintain an accurate view of reality, evil and all, without being intimidated by it or fearful of it. Hallelujah. I can think of no more comforting, no more empowering, no more relevant scripture for us in these days than the book of Revelation. For the next 10 weeks, we're gonna go nonstop by the grace of God right through the end of the year in the book of Revelation. I want you this next week, read Revelation chapter eight. You see, we've only taken six of the seven seals. Chapters, and they're all in chapter six. Chapter seven is this powerful picture of the redeemed. Who can stand? That question has to be answered. If it's going to get that bad, who can stand? The angels can and you and I can. Hallelujah. Powerful. But then you come to chapter 8. <clears throat> chapter 8 is the only place in the Bible you will find silence in heaven. Um, you think our music's loud in here? Wait till you get to heaven. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to make fun of anyone who doesn't like it loud. I, I respect you for... We all have different worship styles, but I, I, I couldn't resist because heaven is a loud place. I just need to say that. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Heaven's going to be extremely loud. It's going to be extremely loud. I don't want you to be surprised when you get there. It's just, I was expecting it a little quieter. No, it's not going to be quiet. You, you read the book of Revelation, it's loud. I'm telling you, it's loud, it's loud. People are loud. I mean, for, for the first time ever, you're going to be fully yourself. You think you're going to have to muzzle that? You think you're going to have to stuff it? You no think way. somebody's going to lean over and go, shh, would you just no no contain way. yourself? You can, no, heaven's where you don't have to contain yourself. Yeah. You can let it all out. Hallelujah. 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 
But there's silence when you read chapter 8, before they open the seventh seal. And you know why this is so powerful? Now, I'm not smart enough to time this message next Sunday for the Sunday before the election. I'm not smart enough to do that. You know why it's silence in heaven? It's because the Father is leaning down to listen to the prayers of the saints. It's true, you read it. We're going we're gonna to look at this next week. It's, a, it's so powerful. I don't know anywhere in Scripture that is more vivid in its affirmation and conviction that our God is in tune with the prayers of his people. Like Revelation chapter 8. And here we are on the two days before the election. <laughs> Hallelujah. We get to see the role prayer plays in the sovereign unfolding of history. Yes. So powerful. Silence in heaven. Before the final seal is open. Because God, in the middle of it all, is listening to what you and I are praying. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for strengthening us this morning. Thank you for uh, turning some lights on and giving us uh, per, per perception, an accurate perception of reality, of all the evil that is going on, and yet putting it in its place. And thank you, Father, for the strategic name given to the one who alone is worthy to open the scroll and break open its seals. The Lamb. The Lamb who was slain. Because it's the Lamb. The Lamb who not only has the right to take the, th the scroll, but it's the Lamb who redeems all the evil that it contains. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, just look up at me one more time here. I want to just say, right in the margin of page 26 there at the end of... Um, Chapter 6 and 7, right in the margin, Romans 5.20, which says, when sin increases, grace increases all the more. When evil increases, grace increases all the more. Yes. Write this reference, Genesis 50, verse 20, which is where Joseph, who had been badly persecuted by his brothers said to them you meant it for evil but God meant it for good you can say to the four horsemen the 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 the, the white horsemen the red horsemen the black the the pale you meant it for evil but my God meant it for good I'm telling you the book of Revelation puts evil in its place and the reason Jesus is the only one who could take the scroll is because he's the only one that did anything about the evil. He's the only one that, that, that can pour his redemptive healing 
into the wounds of our humanity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. Anybody get something this morning? Praise God. I, I had to take a week off before I preached this message. I would have never made it. Hallelujah. It's great to be back. Uh, I love you, my church family. I love being your pastor. And uh, let me just say, next Sunday, you know what to look forward to. Next Saturday, we're doing this drive-through trunk or treat. If you haven't signed up to at least help or sponsor a trunk, it's healthy competition. A week from today, we're going to be giving some prizes out for the best trunks in the, in the place. Uh, it's totally safe. Uh, there's no fear of uh, violating social distancing. The, the people are going to stay in their cars, drive through. We're going to toss some candy in there, wearing plastic gloves. It's all cool. And uh, we've already got 200 people signed up. And uh, 200 people might mean 500 with the, counting the children. We're hoping to have 1,000 people here. We really need your help. So please uh, do that. And a week from tomorrow, we're having a night of prayer before the election. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you think God's not done with America? I am absolutely confident God is not done with our country. It's time to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand? We've got a great song to end with. I want to first just speak a blessing over us all, and then uh, we're going to sing one of my favorite songs. If Keith has anything left in his tank, hallelujah. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.